Welcome to the Epiphany Movement Podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's talk from Pastor Drake Nelson. Miss Sandy, I didn't know you had um, them, uh, them, I don't know, them moves like that, you know? Like, that was so good. Thank you so much. Um, if y'all have y'all's Bible, um, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 33 today. Um, Exodus chapter 33, if you're wondering where Exodus is, it's the very beginning of your Bible. Flip to Genesis, which is like the first page, and then keep on flipping. You'll eventually find Exodus. Um, and then Exodus chapter 33, we'll start right there in verse 1. But I am so glad to be back. I have never been happier to be in Mississippi than I am right now today. I've never had to pay for air before. Usually you get that free down here, but not up in Denver, Colorado. I tell you what, that you have to pay for air up there. I went and I, I literally, I got off the, um, I don't know what you'd call it, the, the airplane, walked out into the airport, got my little rental car, drove up in my rental car all the way up to Copper Mountain, about a two-hour drive. And when I say I opened the door and my breath was taken away by the beauty, I really mean we were so high up in the mountains that I literally couldn't breathe. I'm like, okay, well, what do I do? So me and my brother had this great idea. We were going to go hiking, and so that's what we did. And um, uh, that was not a good idea because I'm walking, and I'm saying, hey, this is a beautiful scene. Let's take a picture here. So he kind of stops and takes his backpack off, and he's about to sit down on this rock, and I'm about to take his picture. And as soon as I do, I say, well, my shoe's untied. I, I, can't, I, can't, I really can't remember if my shoe was untied or I was just bent down to get something. But I just remember I bent down. It was like, and then just like, like, like so dizzy and lightheaded, just fell to the ground. And my brother's like, okay, uh, I know we're in Denver and, and, and like weed's legal, but you didn't do any, did you? And I was like, what's going on? I don't understand what's going on. So I like, eventually I, I kind of eased up. And that was kind of how my weekend went. Um, kind of had a headache. Just It's called altitude sickness, I think is what it's called. Um, but, but it was kind of a unique situation because all weekend I had a headache. Like Cat woke up this morning and you cook, uh, you don't cook coffee. But you made coffee this morning, and just the smell of that coffee just made me like, like have all these bad visions of Denver, Colorado. Because every single morning up there, they would put coffee on, and I would smell that coffee, and then I'd start getting a headache because I was like, "Oh man, it's coming again. I'm getting, I'm short of breath. Oh my goodness!" And then so I smelled that coffee this morning. I was like, I wanted to karate chop it. Like, oh, we'll go outside or something. So, anyways. I, I just remember, like, all the time in Denver, I, I was kind of battling a headache and kind of battling some other stuff, and I like, got sick in my stomach, and, and I just kept taking medicine. But no, y'all, y'all think that stopped me from skiing? Not one bit, let me tell you, like, let me tell you right now. Your boy was on the slopes, and I was, you know, kind of going, and I'd fall, and then my mom was like, oh, you got a concussion. Like, no, I don't. Like, get back up, ski some more, actually snowboard some more. And eventually, I came to the point of the whole weekend where we was about to leave. It was my very last run, and I said, y'all, I've been watching these people go up on these big slopes and do these tricks. Like, I think it's called a half pipe or something. I'm like, I've been watching this whole time. I can do this. Like, I, this ain't no, nothing for a, for a G like me. I don't know. So, 
I got on my snowboard and I went. I was going down. It was this big metal pipe. And what you were supposed to do is there's this ramp. You ramped on the pipe uh, or on the ramp and then you landed on the pipe and you're supposed to like kind of just balance on the pipe until you got off and then kind of spin and then you go on about your business. And so that's what I decided to do. I got about halfway in the air and I realized this was a very poor idea because when I hit my head for about the 19th time bumping down the mountain on that pipe, I was like, oh gosh, where am I? So I butt scooted down the rest of the mountain. That's how I got down. Um, and then I, that was my last ride. Like I did not go anymore. The point, though, that I say in all that is that no matter what was going on with me, like, like I could have I could have probably been dying. Like, my arm could have probably fell off. And I'm like, I'm going to go up this mountain. Like, there's nothing that's going to deter me from going snowboarding. I will go up this mountain. I was so devoted that no matter what, if I was throwing up, if I was passing out, if I had to go buy oxygen, if I had to take the altitude sickness pills, no matter what, I was going to go up that mountain. I was that devoted. And I wonder what a church would look like if people were so devoted to going up the mountain to Christ. I mean, it didn't matter what it cost. I don't care what it cost me. I don't care what it's going to take. I will go up the mountain. I will be. I'm, I'm going to be devoted. And that's kind of where we pick up in Exodus chapter 33. The guys, I don't know if you... I'm kind of realize what's going on before this. But, uh, but Moses has finally... He's going up the mountain. He's going up Mount Sinai. He's received the Ten Commandments from God. And as he's up there, he finally ventures back down, and the people have made a golden calf. And Moses is so mad, he throws the Ten Commandments down, and he says, what's going on? And Aaron looks back. He's like, I don't know. I just took our, all our earrings off, and I threw them in a little pot, and then bam, like the, 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 calf, the calf produced. And we just started worshiping it. And so Moses is about to go back up to the Lord, and this is where we kind of, Go. He says, the Lord, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, get going, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt. Go up to the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them, I will give you this land to your descendants, and I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, and Pezites, Hivites, and the Jebusites, all the lightites. I'll add cellulites in there because we need to drive them off. What do we have? We had God right here being faithful to His Word. I don't know if any of you have ever had your tires that needed to be like recalibrated or realigned, but recently I had um, some tires and they were really old. So after driving on them, they got out of alignment. And I never really realized how bad out of alignment they were until I'm driving down the road. And eventually it kind of starts as like, oh, like a back massage. But eventually after about four or five months of driving on some uh, tires, they start to wear so bad, you're driving down the road and you like it's terrible. But you don't realize how bad it is until just the other day you get some new tires. And when you get some new tires, you're like, this is what it feels like not to go. When you drive, I was so excited. So I, I came out, I got back home, I said, babe, what, come drive this car. She was like, oh my gosh, it's the first time I've ever driven your truck. Thank you so much. And we're driving around, I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. Isn't it? You don't go like this when you drive. She's like, yes, your, dr your truck drives so much smoother. And I wonder, I wonder how many of us, Kat was just like, she, her eyes got this big, like what in the world are you talking about? I wonder how many of us have gotten accustomed to driving with tires that are out of rotation. 
We've gotten so used to sin that's in our life, keeping us out of alignment with God. And maybe this is going to be the year that we get back in alignment, that we get back with what God is saying. He says this. He says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Get going, you and your people, who brought up from the land of Egypt. Go up to the land that I swore to give to Abraham. Hear me. You may have something in your life that is like a tithe. There's just something that you're wanting to get rid of. But just because you haven't been faithful to God over the last year, two years, three years, it doesn't mean that God is not going to be faithful to you. No, God is going to be faithful. God, that is His character. He is a faithful God. So no matter how far you go away, He's going to be faithful to His Word, to His promise, to what, his, uh, to what the Bible says, to what His Word is. He's going to be faithful to that. And what he says in James chapter 4, verse 8, that he's going to be faithful to, he says, look, if you're, if you're going and you're out of rotation, if you're out of alignment with me and you need to get some new tires, here's what you need to do. Just draw close to me and I will draw close to you. That's what his word says. He's going to be faithful to that. So if you're in here today and you're like, I feel far from God, just know all you have to do is draw close to him. And he's going to draw close to you. But what does he go on to say? Look with me if you would in verse 2. It says, Then I will send an angel before you to drive out all the ites. And then verse 3 it says, Go up to this land, the flows of milk and honey, but I will not travel among you, for you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. So the people, they realize that this is not good news. That God is going to send an angel before us. He's going to cast everybody out of the land. But this isn't good news. Why? Because God himself isn't going to come with us. I don't want the promises of God without the presence of God. This is what these people say. They say, God, you can take us into the land. You can take us into the promised land. But God, I don't want to go if you're not going to come with me. God, I want you. Man, and I just wonder. Mm, I just wonder what it would be like for a church. You know, if it just wasn't so like an, like an ordinary thing. And I'm going to leave my notes because I, I, I just think it's like not really producing anything great. I wonder what it would truly be like to have a church that like sought God with all of their heart, you know? Like, did y'all not see God shake up a nation about two Monday nights ago? Number three, y'all know who I'm talking about? He gets plowed and his heart literally stops beating on the field. He's dead. He's done. The paramedics, they run out and they start pumping, pumping, uh, I don't know, trying to shock him back into rhythm. Did y'all see that a couple of Monday nights ago? And you didn't see a whole nation say, oh, we're not going to pray to God. No, no, no. Did you? Oh, we can't pray to God. They didn't fire the coach of the Bills for getting down on his knees and praying to God. They didn't say, hey, I'm sorry, Josh Allen. I know you have faith in Christ, but don't pray to God right now. No, the whole nation did what? They was like, no, please pray to God. Please, would you see God? And I don't know if it was millions or thousands or billions even of people, but people started praying for number three. And you know what? He's alive today. 
And I, I don't know what this is like for you, but what it was like for me is I saw an entire industry who is totally anti-Christ, anti-God movement, said, hey, look, this young man's life is on the line. What we're going to do is we're going to get on our knees and we're going to pray. And they started to pray for number three. And I know that the playoffs are back in town and the ESPN and, and the NFL may go back to business as usual. They probably will. They probably will do that. Um, But I'll tell you, would it not be amazing if we as the church wouldn't just go back to business as usual? That we would seek God, that we would get on our knees and say, God, if you're not going with me, if your presence isn't going to be with me, I don't care where we want to go. I would rather be in the wilderness with you than an oasis apart from you. I, I don't care about the promised land. I, do you know that sometimes God has to take our promised land away from us? He do, does he not take our promised land away from us? Why does he take the promised land away from us? And the answer is simple. is that Because sometimes we have to understand to rely on his presence over the promises that he's given us in his life. Because I want God to be with me. Man, and they began to pray. And stuff started happening. And I, and I will say that business as usual at Blackjack Baptist Church is pretty awesome. Like, I think somebody got saved literally every single month this last, uh, this last year. It, I don't know if you've seen it, but our, our Jesus' life wall that's downstairs, it's filling up pretty quick. I think we had the word life that's left, and we've had that for about six months. People are getting saved. Wives are getting changed. We're, we're, I mean, look what we're doing with the, the Wounded Warrior stuff that we have coming up and so many other things that we have coming up for two, throughout 2023. How we supported um, Brandon Hembry. He just emailed me last week and was like, hey, you don't know how important that is. How we support Eddie. Like, business as usual is pretty good. But man, guys, I want to be in a church that, that, that doesn't say business as usual is what we're going for because our God is not usual. Our God is not usual. What would it be like if you was in a service one day? When's the last time that this happened? That you were sitting there and you were like, I don't care how long that we're going to go. You just keep preaching. You just keep talking because God was moving in your life. God was making a difference. God was breaking down some walls in you. When's the last time you've been in, in worship? What would this be like? And the Holy Spirit fell, and the Holy Spirit started moving in our lives? Man, what would that be like? What, what if one day we came in here, and the worship started, and I didn't even preach because it was like, no, we just got to praise you, we just got to worship you, we got to keep going. I mean, what would it be like for, for God to move in our lives and say, you know what, I'm not, Blackjack Baptist Church, I have some amazing things for y'all, but the best thing that Christ has to offer us this year is himself. It's his presence. Golly, is so quiet. Can, can I have just one amen? And don't minimize that. Like, if I was the devil, I'd try to hush y'all up too. Y'all just, y'all just, we ain't that type of church. Y'all just hush, and y'all just praise the Lord on the inside. I would try to do that same thing too. Don't minimize what worship is, what agreeing with the Spirit is. We, let's keep on going. Um, 
I need to smile. Cat said, just, you need to smile more and calm down. <laughs> I, um, verse 4. When the people heard the words, <clears throat> they went into mourning. They stopped wearing their jewelry and their fine clothes for the Lord had told Moses to tell them, you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If, if, if I were to travel with you for even a moment, I would destroy you. And he says, remove your jewelry and your fine clothes while I decide what to do with you. So from the time they left Mount Sinai to the Israelites, there were no more jewelry and there were no more fine clothes. These were people who had just like right before then been worshiping a calf, a golden calf, and then they realized, oh Lord, you're not coming with us. This is not a good thing. And instantly they went into a mourning. And watch what else happens. Verse 7, it says, It was Moses' practice to, the, to, 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 to take the tent of the meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request to the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses was out of the tent of meeting, the people would get up, and they would stand in the entrances of their own tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared in the inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of the cloud would come down and hover over its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and they would bow down in front of their own tents. Please listen very intently right here. These were people who were reverent to God. They were intrigued by God. I would even say a lot of them were drawn to God. And you can be as reverent and as drawn to and say, I'm a part of that Jesus stuff also. But what God was calling them to was in to the tent themselves. Don't miss when it says that anyone could enter the tent. But they were content not to enter. They were so content just to sit there and say, I know we can go into the tent, but we're just going to stand right out here. And they would all watch Moses as Moses walked on. And Moses is a great man. I'm not, saying, I'm not taking anything away, but anybody could have went in. But they thought it enough just to be reverent to God. Can I get in our business? They thought that it was enough to, to wear your Sunday best, to go to Sunday school, to take your hat off when we pray. They thought it was enough to have a deep reverence and respect for God. But it wasn't enough. God wants us to come into the tent with Him. He wants us to have a relationship with Him. And I, 
You know, growing up, I've always, <laughs> I've always gone to, um, like kind of, I've always gone to like um, churches that talked about God a lot, and even met Christians all my life who talked about God a lot. But I want to ask you, when's the last time you've been in the tent? When is the last time that you just knew God and you were praying and you were like, God, I just don't want to leave this moment. It's so you're here. When we were on the ski lift, me and Kat, we would always try um, our best to like go different places um, and not drive the ski lift together. Um, I, th- I don't think she understood that I was doing this, but I, was, I-, I would like to go on the ski lift with new people. And I would ask them a simple question. I would say, hey, look, I'm not from around here, and I would like to go to church Sunday. Do you know any church that I could go to? And that would kind of lead into more conversations about Jesus. And then we could, you know, hey, do you have a relationship with Jesus? If they said, oh, yeah, there's a church around the corner. I was like, that's probably a good sign. They said, I don't go to church. Maybe that was cause for more conversation. And I remember one conversation. And, y'all, it went something like this. Do you, do you go to church? And he said, yeah, I go to church. You know why I go to church? And I was just Drake to him. I wasn't no brother Drake or anything. He says, I go to church because my family really needs it. And my kids really need it. They need that in their life. And I didn't say this to him. I probably should have. But listen to me real carefully. If that's the reason that we're going to church, it would be so much better for your kids if you had nothing to do with Jesus. Because what they're going to see, your half-hearted devotion to Christ, no, they need to see somebody who is in the tent with God, who is following Christ all the day, and no person on earth or no demon in hell is going to keep them from following Christ and doing what He has called them to do. It's not going to keep them from being devoted to Christ. That's what our kids need to see in us. Not, hey, we'll drop you off at church, we'll take you to church. No, our kids, your kids, our grandkids need to see us being devoted all out to Jesus. And if we don't, I'm telling you, I'm, 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 I, I wish I could just make you get this. It's going to cause them to go farther away because they're going to say, hey, they were just lukewarm. We'll end by telling this story. Um, go with me to verse 11. <clears throat> Verse 11, it says this, Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one often speaks to a friend. And afterwards, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Josh, the son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent. He would remain behind in the tent. Yours may say 
something along the lines, not that he remained in the tent, but he dwelled in the tent. And we are so good at dwelling. Man, we'll dwell over a Netflix, dwell over a Facebook scroll, we'll dwell over a good book. We'll remain behind with some friends over lunch. We were made to dwell. We were made to remain. Another translation is linger. He lingered. Um, some of our hymns say tarry, right? That's what it means. We were made for this. I want to ask you, what are some things that you've been lingering over that's not of Christ? <clears throat> While I was up on a plane, I was reading the last book. Um, it was called... Um, Alexander Hamilton. I don't know if you've ever read anything about Alexander Hamilton. He was a pretty cool guy. Alexander Hamilton was actually killed by about the age of 48 by a dude named um, Aaron Burr. And the way that he was killed, because in about the 1840s, 1850s, the way they would settle arguments <laughs> isn't too common uh, how they settle arguments today, I suppose. We were in Sunday school, and we said, you know, people don't fight no more. They just shoot each other. Well, that's how it was back in the 1840s. They had a disagreement. So what they did is they both had a gun, and they would kind of go like this, and they would flip a coin, and they would be both back-to-back, and they flipped a coin, and um, Aaron Burr, you know, would call it, and if he got it right, he would draw first. And if he didn't get it, Alexander Hamilton would draw first. And so it was went up, and they called it, and Aaron Burr actually got it wrong. So Alexander Hamilton, Alexander Hamilton would drew his gun first. And so it was pretty much like a death sentence for Aaron Burr. And so as soon as they go and start taking steps, Alexander Hamilton, he turns, and instead of shooting Aaron Burr, he just shoots up in the, in the air. He's like, I'm not going to kill you over something this silly. And y'all know what Aaron Burr does? He says, oh, but buddy, I got you. Bang. And kills Alexander Hamilton. And that's how he died. But right before his death, he's actually one of the ones who would write the American Constitution out of 85 essays that would later make it into our United States Constitution. Alexander Hamilton would write 51 of those 85. 51 essays he would write. People like, um, you know them all, would write different ones. He wrote by far the most. And it was a song that was written about Alexander Hamilton. And here's how the song goes. It says, Alexander Hamilton, always writing like you're running out of time, like you're running out of time. Alexander Hamilton always has a pencil like you're running out of time, like you're running out of time. Alexander Hamilton, can you never put down the page always writing like you're running out of time, like you're running out of time. And I wonder what it would be like for my life, for your life, for our life to say, hey, you, sir, ma'am, always serving Christ like you're running out of time like you're running out of time always being devoted to Christ like you're running out of time like you're running out of time always reading your Bible always praying always serving Christ like you're running out of time what would it be like if God saw a church whose eyes are to and fro always looking for someone who is serving him what would it be like if we if you individually sought God with all of your heart this year you were devoted to Christ with all of your heart this year, that you wasn't just content to say, Drake, you go follow Christ and, and we'll get a word from you. I'm not your Moses. What would it be like if you went in the tent that you sought Christ, that you were devoted to Him, 
Man, I'll tell you what, that changed your family. That changed the community. That changed this church. That would change heaven. And there is no power in hell that could fight against that. Let's pray. God, thank you for everything that you've given us. Thank you for the word, God, that you've laid on my heart. God, devoted. Gosh, what would it be like if we could be devoted? Nothing getting in our way. God, let us be devoted. Let us seek you. Let us, let us tarry. Let us linger in your presence. God, I pray that a five-minute prayer life would just go straight down the drain, God. That we would, God, that we would linger in your presence. God, we would linger in this book. God, that it would start to read us and it would start to change our lives. God, so much that needed to be said that wasn't God, and I pray for, for repentance of that. But God, I just pray that we would seek you and be devoted. In your name I pray, amen and amen.